So, Harry. Yes. As an experienced bartender. Yes. What was the best and worst thing about being a bartender? Best and worst thing. Okay. Okay. Best thing would probably be about once a week, uh, sometimes more often, we would stay for lock-ins. Yeah, they which would, would Which would be uh, really, 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 really fun. You'd yeah. get a lot of booze, often free if you were doing a line clean. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah, it would be a right good night. The worst thing, which is the other side of that coin, is when your dickhead friends would like to get in on that lock-in and would just sort of come sort of in the middle of your shift and then just come and sort of hang around and wait for that lock-in to happen, even though it might not happen. And you don't really want to talk to that person, but you don't have a choice because you've got to work behind the bar because that's your job. So... I was invited. Yeah. I was always invited. You are not always invited. You take that back. I was always implicitly invited. <laughs> How dare you. See, that's the thing. People always thought they were invited and they were that entitled. Anyway, I want to show. Some films are fine, just the way they are. Other films sometimes take it way too far. But really, how, how that could it get? Let's go beyond. Beyond the box set. Welcome back, everybody, to Beyond the Box Set, the podcast where today we are pitching prequels, sequels, and spin-off ideas to Casablanca. We'll also be pitching some drinking games and hearing other sequel pitches from our Twitter followers. But first, we're going to talk about some of our favourite moments from the original movie and catch you up with a bit of a plot summary. I'm Harry, the host with the most experience of kicking out dickhead Liverpudlians out of bars. Guilty as charged, apparently. Mm. Uh, I'm joined today by Martin, the guest with the best taste in super old movies. And joining me as always... feels like a dig. (laughs) (laughs) I've just picked four in a row for you. (laughs) And joining me as always, the host with the most Nazi qualities, Strykus. I am very Aryan, and there's nothing I can do about that. Mm, I I, I am basically what the Nazis thought of as a perfect human being, Mm. so, you know. Yeah, probably you're not very PC, but... uh, Anyway, so Martin, hello, welcome to the show. Welcome. Hello. Long-time listener, first-time caller. Yeah. yeah, yeah, so I met you guys about five or six years ago, I guess, and yes. been listening to the podcast for a couple of years now. Yeah, so Martin doing... is not just a fan of the show, he's also a friend of ours from uh, way, way back. We've been drinking buddies for many a year, so mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it's nice to finally get you on the show. Possibly aforementioned lock-ins as well, yeah. Yes, yeah. certainly, yes. It wasn't just me. I wasn't the only one who came to those lock-ins every now and Martin again. never came and expected it. Oh, fine, fine, fine. Martin God. was pleasantly invited. We have very different memories of how those lock-ins <laughs> work, but whatever, fine. I'm not sure we have many memories at all of those well, that, lock-ins. Yeah, that's probably what's done it, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Casablanca, what made you pick this movie, Martin? Uh, well, there are a couple of reasons. Um, I do like old movies, or at least some of them. There are a lot that really aren't good at all, that are very straightforward. Mm-hmm. Really? And I, I thought, don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I showed you nothing but classics. You shut up. <laughs> and I think this is one that isn't straightforward, that's got something to it. And there are quite a lot of films from that era I like. And I thought this was really quite a good one to talk about. And the way it ends, it kind of lends itself to sequels or possibly even prequels. Mm-hmm. So that was why I chose it. Yeah, good, good shout. It is... The oldest film we've ever done. Mm-hmm. It just Quite be- clear, like 
20, 10 years? No, only three or four. Oh, really? Yeah, uh, Mildred Pierce was 1945. We talked about this. Ah, yeah. sorry, I was thinking 1945. Sorry, carry yeah. on. Uh, Mildred Pierce, and then also It's a Wonderful Life was about 47, 46, not that far off as well. Oh, this, is, this is 1942. Okay. Actually, fun fact. Um, <laughs> so we've been on a bit, I don't know how many you've had a chance to listen to yet, but um, we have been on a bit of an old school movies kick at the moment, which has very much been led by me. Mm-hmm. Um, we did Sunset Boulevard. We did... All About Eve, we did Mildred Pierce, and we just recently recorded Whatever Happened to Baby Jane. Mm-hmm. So, uh, for, they're all great. I, I loved them all. <laughs> yeah. Harry was mixed on them, but uh, <laughs> I enjoyed them. But uh, this one was actually the same director as Mildred Pierce, Michael Curtiz. Mm-hmm. Uh, he did Mildred Pierce three years after this. All right. Uh, yeah. And uh, yeah, one of the most interesting things I thought about this is to watch a film. Because I remember when we watched Mildred Pierce, one of the things you said about it was uh, it, how interesting it is that it was literally made during the war and yet the war isn't really mentioned in it mm. whereas this film is so interesting because it's it was all about made, it <laughs> it was made during the war and it's about the war mm. but it just blows my mind that this was made by people who actively didn't know how the war was going to end yeah it's, weird, it's isn't it? really really like it, it's such a moment it captures such a moment in time in that way because it's yeah. so like of its of a very specific moment mm-hmm. so yeah i love that about it yeah, I think it's kind of both. It's got a certain timeless quality, the story it tells, but it's also a very specific moment in time during the war as well. Mm, absolutely. And it makes a lot of the moments really ring a lot more true and more emotionally. Like, I mean, one of the most iconic scenes is the scene where they're all singing along the piano, uh, where, when the Germans start singing the Rhineland song. I can't remember mm-hmm. what it's called. I can't remember the, either. It's not the German national anthem, is it? It's just a German, like uh, a very German patriotic song. And then the the French resistance led by Victor Laszlo, they start singing La Marseillaise. La Marseillaise, yeah. yeah. And, and the entire bar just rises up and drowns out the Germans <laughs> by singing this really rousing song about French liberation and freedom. And, you know, and it's really powerful. And you see all of the background actors like crying and really, and, you know, you think, okay, they just chose good background actors. But I read about it. A lot of the actors who were in that scene were. Ref- they were actually they were refugees they they yeah. had fled from france because i france read that had, too and france had only like fallen within the past year when this film was being made of that and so the emotion was very real for them and so it's a really like powerful kind of transcendent moment so you know in a lot of ways this film is quite like that uh, that michael bay movie that came out recently <laughs> about covid yeah uh, it's just like that michael bay covid movie yeah it's it's very it's just on it's so present you know I, I haven't seen it but as soon as you said michael bay i think my ears shot yeah 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 <laughs> yeah and it's also uh frequently voted among the greatest films ever made i mean so was all about you but that didn't help harry particularly but uh oh, definitely mm. not but yeah it's i mean I so was that god awful mark ruffalo film apparently oh god yes uh, yes top t- top 10 in critics polls of 2000 harry don't, don't <laughs> you ever forget it uh you can count on me class mm-hmm. classic for the ages um, but yeah, it's voted frequently. I believe it's always in the top five, usually of the best films ever made. It's definitely often voted one of the most quotable films ever made. Mm-hmm. It has six quotes in the AFI, the American Film Industry's top 100 most quotable lines of all time, which is more than any other movie. Some, yeah. of, them, and the, some the, of them felt a bit forced to me. Yeah, yeah. Only because like, you know them so pro- well. Probably, probably because they've been yeah. quoted so often yeah. Yeah. since that so you've heard them so many times since. Yeah, yeah. in that AFI poll, no film other film got more than three yeah in the top 100 it's like the end that of was the... one of the facts i brought but you know we've oh, sorry, got, got in there before me yeah. so you know but the especially like the end of the film it's like a greatest hits it's like they all <laughs> so many of them come in that last 10 minute speech with him and ilsa it's like we'll always have paris here's looking at you kid like yeah <laughs> 
the hill of beans in this, you know, the, the problems of two little people don't want to be hill of beans in this old world. You know, they, all, they all come together. It's amazing. Like, and they're all so quotable. Right. Although it's also the mo- one of the most misquoted movies of all time. Oh yeah. Because the, f- arguably the most famous line associated with this film is play it again, Sam. Yeah. No one says it. No. No one ever says play it again, <laughs> Sam. It's up there with uh, the sort of Star Wars quote, isn't it? Luke, I'm your father. Luke, I'm your father. Or um, I'm ready for my close-up, Mr. DeMille. Like, it's not mm-hmm. quite mm. said the way. The closest is when she says, play it for me, Sam. She play never, says, me, play. Sam. She never yeah. says, play it again, Sam. That's a, a misquote that is often attributed to the film. So, yeah. Play it once, Sam. For all time's sake. I don't know what you mean, Miss Elton. Play it, Sam. Play as time goes by. So yeah, it's a, I enjoyed it. Uh, I thought I really, actually my first time watching it. I'd never seen it before. Really? Obviously, yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, kind of know it by osmosis. It, it gets, not only the quotes are so famous, but it also, it gets parodied so much. Mm. Uh, so much of stuff has been taken from it, you know, and inspired by it. So you kind of feel like you've seen it without having seen it. But actually, yeah, I thought it really held up. I thought it was really entertaining. It really, I feel like the dramatic tension builds really nicely. Whereas, the stakes are so well established by the end. It takes a while to kind of bed in and you're like, well, who's who, who's French, who's German, you know, but by the end, the stakes are so clearly established that it's actually, it's really gripping and you really want them to get out and worked really well for me. I think it's really well paced. It's mm. an hour and, uh, sorry, 102 minutes. Yeah, that's pretty decent. And yeah. it, so it's not very long and it sort of keeps moving. There's never really a scene where there's just nothing happening, mm. where they're standing around talking about something that doesn't yeah. add to the plot. It takes longer than you'd think for Ilsa to turn up. I think she arrives like half an hour into the movie. Which yeah, because is... I, I obviously I don't know either of these actors because I've, I've not watched many films from this era at all. Um, I've not seen this before either. And so, yeah, I was really wondering like, okay, so is this one of the main characters? Is this Ingrid Berman? Is this yeah. Ingrid Berman? Who's, who, who is she? <laughs> I mean, it's pretty obvious when she walks in. But, yeah, yeah, but like, because it's so late, it's like when, when's the second build character going to come in? Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. I mean... You've been very vocal about not having the best time with our black and white season. How, how did this one kind of stack up for you compared to the other ones? That was all right. All right, yeah, just all right. Just, that's my review. That's you. I'll yeah, take that. Short podcast. I was, <laughs> I was sort of more interested in how you might react to this. Yeah. Where would you put it? So we've got, in in order of when we watched them, we've mm-hmm. had Sunset Boulevard, mm-hmm. we've had uh, All About Eve, Mildred Pierce, Baby Jane. This. Where would you stick it in that kind of top five? Okay, well, Baby Jane on top. Baby Jane's number one, yeah. Um, cool. I think probably this one. This one's second, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Casablanca's number And then two. Sunset Boulevard third? Yeah, Sunset Boulevard third and All About Eve, like, tenth. Tenth. <laughs> God, wow. Burn on All About Eve. Right. Well, I'm, I'm glad you enjoyed this one at least, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I think, I mean, it's hard for me because Sunset Boulevard, Baby Jane, and All About Eve and Mildred Pierce are, like, camp classics. And this mm. is just, like, a really good movie, so. Mm, yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it, I think it deserves its status as a as a classic, for sure. Did you know, uh, they've never remade this movie, obviously. They've, there's been attempts over the years uh, mm. to kind of sequelize it or remake it. It's never really got off the ground. One notable time when, one notable I'm just, attempt. Sorry, I'm just thinking, I mean, I know we'll get to it, but like of all movies to, to write a sequel to. Yeah. Because like we say, it's just such a moment in time. Like yeah. the appropriate time to make a sequel to this is never. Yeah. But it's open to, you know, it, it does have an open-ended, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah, there's stuff you can do. But I know what you mean, it's like, it's so... Perfectly, it was right. But they did try to remake it. There was an effort in the early 2000s. Um, Madonna wanted to remake oh, it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, she wanted to remake it with Ashton Kutcher. Oh, oh that's perfect. <laughs> really? Yeah. Oh, 
perfectly terrible, but it's like perfectly terrible. Yeah. yeah, I don't understand what she would have wanted that to be because would it have been like because is she older than him? By far, like, yeah. like considerably. That's only because yeah. Humphrey Bogart is forty-four when he makes this, so she's, he, and she's like twenty. She's like twenty-two, or so, yeah. yeah. She's quite young. Like, there's a clear age gap, and he looks older. Yeah, like because uh, even at the time, apparently people were unsure because he wasn't really what you'd call a romantic lead. You know, he's, mm-hmm. he's quite distinctive looking. You know, he's not really what you'd call traditionally handsome. Yeah, but yeah, that the age gap is kind of part of it. Whereas, yeah, so am I was Madonna hoping to be Humphrey Bogart? Was it going to be like her bar and? I, or was that, or was it just going to be? I mean, I mean, I you know, I think I prefer that way. Around. I, I kind of like, like that because I'd like to, I'd like to see Madonna like running a, like a, a neutral bar in World sure, War yeah. Two. Like uh, that, 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 that could be quite fun. Whereas Madonna trying to be like, oh Ashton Kutcher, you're so old. Trying to pass herself off as <laughs> the same age as Ashton Kutcher. Yeah, that, that's what I was <laughs> no, thinking. No, that... like twenty years younger. No, that's what I mean. Yeah, it, that's what I mean. It would be like you say. That's part of their character, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. So if it's Madonna as Humphrey Bogart. I mean, it would have been terrible either way because Madonna can't act. Yeah. But um, and Ashton Kutcher is not exactly Humphrey Bogart. But no. Yeah. If it was Madonna as the Humphrey Bogart character, that could have been interesting. Mm. But yeah, if it was the other way around and Madonna was just gonna try and kid herself that she could play the Ilsa role, that's mm-hmm. yeah. That that could have been. It, it could have been like a burlesque, like a camp classic, you know. Mm-hmm. But uh, if they yeah. call it something other than Casablanca and made sure, made it yeah. clear there was no link with that film, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. it could be a brilliant terrible film yeah 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 <laughs> which is another one of the genres i like oh so, sure yeah. yeah i mean we do a lot of them on this terrible podcast. films mm-hmm. yeah so uh but yeah so we, we dodged that bullet the world dodged the madonna ashton kutcher casablanca casabladonna yeah <laughs> kasha kutcher who knows yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah so i guess we'll hand over to you martin uh do you want to do a very quick plot summary for us Oh, I mean, if you're not prepared, that we can do it together. If you're not really got that prepared, like, you, you can always, it's not you, quite you, what I prepared. You can always I sort just of say you might be doing it, and I'd sort of chip a bit in. Would you rather but, do that? Yeah, I was going to say you, you can always get away with saying like, "Oh, John, you do it so well, though." <laughs> <laughs> That's been Harry's excuse for like five years. So. <laughs> I, I will say I watched it yesterday, and I watched it sort of more attentively than I normally would. Mm-hmm. And that was probably the most. I think that's the fourth time I've seen it. I think that's the most I've enjoyed it. Okay. Uh, the one thing. Um, I will say, is it starts with a big old exposition dump. Oh, it surely does, mm. yeah. <laughs> and in fairness, watching it now, nearly 80 years later, that's actually really useful mm. for knowing where we stand. Yeah, I, yeah. The, the voiceover at the start really sets the scene for World War II, and you're right, because at the time, probably the audiences at the time were like, yeah, we know this. Like, But now mm. it's it's good to... Yeah, it really sets up the stakes. So, And it's in Morocco as well, which I think... Not the most well-known corner of the world, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So. Which I also think really adds to the film's charm and makes it like, because there's so many films of that era that are set in New York or Hollywood. Yeah. So go, to go to Africa, mm. instead of not, you know, like England, like a couple of them were, but to go to Africa, I think really adds something and makes it more memorable. Yeah, no, I love the flavour. I mean, it, they did they actually filmed it on a studio lot in LA or something. It's not actually yeah, set, yeah, but I'm, well, not, I, I'm not surprised. Yeah, yeah but I, I, I mean, I, I like that kind of multicultural kind of, especially for an older film, which normally everyone's kind of just like waspy. But for this film to just, it has a real multicultural mix of people and and from all over the world. But And it's, yeah, I think it gives it a really interesting vibe. So um, we'll talk a little bit about that when we get to our sequel idea. But yeah, I thought that was a really, a really good uh, thing about it. It really made it stand out. So yeah, we get this exposition dump at the start. Feel free to jump in anytime to correct me. Basically setting, so we're in the middle of World War II. At the early phases, I think America hasn't joined the war yet. France has just fallen to the Germans. And yeah. many people who are being displaced by the German invasions are fleeing to try and get out of Europe to get to America where it's safe. 
And one of the few safe routes to do that is to get is to fly from Lisbon. But to get to Lisbon, you need to stop by Morocco, Casablanca, the the, the city of Casablanca in Morocco. It's like then, a roundabout route to me. It is. I think, it's not it, on the way. No, it, it, it's. I think it's to avoid cutting through, like I guess Italy or mm, somewhere. Spain. That, Spain. Yeah. The, yeah. So you, you want to avoid sort of France, Italy, and Germany. Mm. That's quite a lot. Mm. Yeah. It's quite a significant portion of Europe, right there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, so everyone. So it's like all roads lead to Casablanca, and it's like this small city in Morocco, where. It, I mean, it's hard not to just reference Star Wars. It's like a hive of scum and villainy. You know, it's like <laughs> people from all over come there. Some stay, many don't. And we get this establishing intro scene where like some rich people are being pickpocketed. And a lot of people just end up coming to Casablanca and getting stuck there because they need papers to get out. And these papers, did you know, did you, I don't know if you really thought about this particularly, but it seems so plausible until you really think about it. Mm-hmm. It doesn't actually make any sense whatsoever. What, why there would be papers that just if you have just them, magical you, papers, you, yeah, you're, you're good. Like Nazi repellent papers, yeah, yeah. yeah. All, that, the writers talked about this. Um, she said after the film was a huge success, she said something like, "I'm really glad it worked, but I'm, I kept waiting for someone to ask me what's the deal with these papers because I was <laughs> really wondering and I was getting very stuck up on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> is there no like name attached to these papers or something? Yeah. Like, what is this? <laughs> no, they are just a MacGuffin. They're just like a. A reason to is, you know, is it just a little note that just says, "Nah, this guy's good." Signed, Adolf Hitler. I guess, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, the, yeah, it's just like, I guess it's like plane tickets or something. But yeah, it, yeah they, they really just like don't dwell on that too much, which is fine. It's good. I think if you don't want to get too bogged down in detail. Yeah, yeah. But basically, yes. In order to get from Casablanca to Lisbon and then to fly to America, you need to have your papers, and mm-hmm. they're very hard to get get hold of. And there's a big black market in them. And we see early on a guy who is smuggling these papers, getting shot brutally in the street by the nazis and then his papers fall into the hands of an american named rick what's it rick blaine rick blaine mm-hmm. who runs an american bar in casablanca and keeps it strictly neutral he does not involve himself at all in the war efforts or so he says rick blaine is the yeah. name of an amazing action hero it does sound a little bit like yeah or like a wrestler like a yeah. mid-tier wrestler from the, yeah. the early noughties yeah but uh I mean, he's only really known as Rick or Rick, or Richard from her. She's she's called him Richard, but uh, yeah. So Rick, he's lived in Casablanca for some time, and he runs this bar, and everyone hangs out at this bar. It's like the place to be in Casablanca, mm-hmm. and yeah, it, it's kind of established that he doesn't do anyone any favors. He's completely neutral. He's kind of just not quite playing both sides off against each other, but just kind of trying to stay out of it and look out for number one a little bit. Because the guy who gets shot ends up um, asking him for sanctuary, and he, he turns him down, and he ends up getting killed. So. Yeah, I think it's called uh, Ugarte. Ugarte. Played by Peter, Peter Lorre. Yeah, he was like a classic horror movie star, wasn't he? So, at the time. So, so he's he's very much neutral. And Casablanca is occupied... It's occupied by the French, right? But the Germans... Yeah. Are this was confusing to me at first. I had to like read up on it. Yeah, so it was it was a French territory till the mid-1950s. But yeah. They could, basically, they couldn't control it while they themselves were invaded. Yeah. So it didn't, I believe it didn't have a big Nazi presence there. So it wasn't really Nazi controlled, but it wasn't really French controlled because mm. they couldn't control the territory while they were themselves invaded. Yeah. Because it, it took me a while to figure out because there's actors who are very much playing Nazi Germans and who are kind of in control in at this moment or who are a presence in the, in the city. But then there's also, you've got um, Sergeant, uh, Captain Renault. Renault, who is yeah, uh, Cla- Claude, Claude Rains, a, a great actor. Yeah. yeah, I loved him in this. Yeah, he was uh, one of my highlights of this film. Maybe yeah. one of the first like 
truly like iconic like anti-hero kind of characters like you know like not villains but like you know morally ambiguous kind of yeah characters like morally ambiguous for both uh you know for for the purposes of this yeah film. absolutely yeah I really like his arc. It does get a little bit worse in points, points that haven't aged very well. Oh, yeah, we'll get to the Bulgarian lady. I'm sure we'll get to that, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, I think his arc is really interesting as the film goes along, especially at the very end when he does a good deed, obviously, at the very end of the film. But uh, yeah, so there's a lot of German presence in the Casablanca at the time, also a lot of French presence, and they're kind of, it's an uneasy balancing act where the French are trying not to piss off the Germans. They're trying to work together as much as possible because they know that the Germans have the upper hand at this point, so they don't want to end up, you know, getting themselves into a position where they're going to get arrested later down the line. And Rick is just really trying to like stay out of it and play it down the middle. But yeah. all of... the French might be in control, but they're thinking not for long. Yeah, more yeah. Nazis are coming. It's just a question of when. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. So they don't want to make enemies who are going to potentially, you know be dangerous to them later which is kind of which is what captain Renault is all about he's all about just trying to keep the peace and very morally ambiguous in that way but rick's attempts at staying neutral are kind of thrown awry when an old flame from his recent past turns up and this is ingrid bergman uh, ilsa lund Uh, she turns up with her husband victor laszlo who is a czechoslovakian war hero uh, who's like a resistance fighter and he's a wanted criminal by the, the Nazis, basically. And so it's again, it's this whole thing with the papers. It was really strange to me. It's like it's for the I understand it's for the purpose of the plot, but like I kept thinking, like, why would the Nazis not just arrest and or shoot him? Uh, yeah, I have no answer <laughs> for that. Yeah, I was watching that and was like, just just make something up if you yeah. need to. Just locking up for jaywalking or anything they're very polite they're just they like so if you'd do. like yeah they're very polite like if you'd like to meet us in our in our headquarters at 10 a.m tomorrow please don't be late and we'll discuss your you know your situation and then we'll make some veiled threats and let you go again and we'll give you all the time in the world to escape you know it's just like mm-hmm. <laughs> members of london mr leslie may i present major heinrich strasser how do you do this is a pleasure i have long looked forward to i'm sure you'll excuse me if i'm not gracious but you see major strasser i'm a Czechoslovakian. You were Czechoslovakian. Now you are subject of the German Reich. I've never accepted that privilege, and I'm now on French soil. I should like to discuss some matters arising from your presence on French soil. This is hardly the time or the place. Then we shall state another time and another place tomorrow at 10 in the prefect's office. Will, mademoiselle. Captain Renault, I'm under your authority. Is it your order that we come to your office? Uh, let us say it is my request. Uh, that is a much more pleasant word. Very well. Mademoiselle. Mademoiselle. Yeah, so they arrive, and then we learn that they have had, Rick and Ilsa have had this very passionate love affair in Paris in the early noughties. In the early noughties. <laughs> well, it's, it's a time travel movie. Yeah. In the early 40s. Uh, and then she'd left him. She abandoned him in Paris with no warning whatsoever. And left him heartbroken, and then he made his way to Casablanca, and then opened his bar, and she's not seen him since. And then we get one of the many immortal lines, which is when he's drowning his sorrows one night, and he's like, "Of all the gin joints in all the towns and all the world, she had to walk into mine." Like, <laughs> it's a great line. It is a fabulous yeah, yeah. line. Yeah. But so where this film does seem cliche, it's often because it's been redone so many times yeah. since. You're like, "Oh, I've seen that five times at yeah. least." But this was the first to do it. Absolutely. Many of these. There probably were some, you know, things that were stolen from all the films. But totally. this is one of the ones that's really still remembered nowadays. Yeah, true. I always find that I, my, my 
go-to example for that is um, Woody Allen's. I mean, obviously Woody Allen is not someone that people are particularly keen to talk up these days, but like before he was, you know, we found out so much of negative story about, stuff about him. Uh, Annie Hall. Have you seen Annie Hall? I have seen Annie Hall. Yeah, yes. and it's like often called the funniest film ever made. And it, I can see why. It's very good. But it's been referenced so much that when I watch it, I just, especially with comedy, it's like, well, you know, he sneezes into the cocaine, the cocaine goes everywhere. And apparently that was like, they were rolling in the aisles when that happened. And, and now it's just like, well, that's kind of a cliche. Mm. But it's because inve- they invented the cliche. So, yeah, exactly. We also get the this, the song, the first instance of the song, which is uh, As Time Goes By. Uh, so Ilsa comes into the bar because Rick has a friend slash employee, Sam, who's the the piano player at the bar. And uh, she asks him to play play the song, play it again. And that song is As Time Goes By. Yeah, so she asks Rick for help to get Victor out of Casablanca because he's wanted by the Nazis. And in particular, one Nazi, Major Strasser, who's kind of come in and is trying to... is keen to arrest him, but again, not too quickly. Just in his own, in his own time, you know. Yeah. No, no, he's not prepared to, like, make something up and just, no, you just, know, yeah, but just hold him because I say so, yeah. you know. It does work for the tension of the film because you do feel that kind of the net closing in as the, as the film goes on. Like, they really do even though it doesn't make a huge amount of sense. I think it establishes that kind of ticking clock very, very well. But uh, yeah, so Rick is initially like, has no interest in helping Ilsa whatsoever. He's, he's like, you know, you left me. I've got no, why should I help you? And she finally confesses why she left. And it turns out that it was because she was married to Victor. And then he was a freedom fighter. He got arrested. And then she got a letter saying that he was dead and she ended up in Paris thinking she was a widow. Then she got together with... It's the Taylor's all this time. <laughs> then she got together with Rick. And they had a, a love affair. And then she found out that Victor was still alive. And so she was so ashamed and embarrassed that all she could do was just leave Rick and with no explanation and break his heart. I mean, she but does take a time about this. It's not the first time they meet her and Rick. It's not the mm. second time. It's the third yeah. time. Oh, yeah. She takes she a could, while to come out with this, yeah. You know, it, it would have spoiled the sort of romantic tension, but she could have sort of explained it, yeah. <laughs> taken him to one side when they first met, you know, half an hour into the film. And saying, yeah, yeah. <laughs> would have been a very I short movie, yeah. I thought my husband was dead, because it shows in flashback. She says, oh, I don't talk about my past. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But she could have said, look, I thought my husband was dead. I, I wouldn't have been with you otherwise, because, you know, I'm, I'm faithful. Mm-hmm. But when I find out he was alive, I had to go back to him. Yeah, it's definitely movie logic where it, you just need to drag it out a little bit longer than necessary just so that there's a bit of tension there but uh at what point does she finally admit it is it when she uh is it when it's when they want they need the papers isn't it it's like he's been arrested multiple times and it's like if he doesn't get the papers tonight he's gonna die and then eventually she she admits it but also her and rick the flame is clearly very much still alive it's like this it creates a bit of a love triangle situation where it's never quite clear who she's more in love with and Apparently, uh, Ingrid Bergman said that when they were filming it, she wasn't told until they finished, until they got to the, the last scenes, who she, who her character would end up with. So she was she had to play it very much in the middle. That's really interesting. Yeah, yeah. so because so, I like that. I think that's good yeah. directing. Yeah, yeah, it is because otherwise, if she'd played it so much like, oh, clearly she loves Rick and Victor's just the mm-hmm. pa- you know, then it would have made a bit of a foregone conclusion. But I think her character does. You really do believe that she loves both men, like. I, I, I like to think that they filmed an, an, an alternate ending. Yeah, yeah. Just like one where it's one where she, where she goes off with him, one where she goes off with him. Like, yeah. 
I think they can like, like, it. Like how they do for Drag Race sort of thing. Yeah, and sure. Just, Everyone's and a winner. Yeah, and yeah. they just decide later. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll figure it out, yeah. <laughs> they did shoot some extra <gasps> scenes. Released two versions and just, yeah. like, which one does better at the cinema? They did shoot some extra scenes. that, that Well, they, they, they planned out some extra scenes that the movie would kind of go on a bit longer mm-hmm. after they leave and it was going to follow Rick and Louis into as they like fled into France or something nah. but then they were like no the, the ending is the ending no, that, yeah, that would have been a mistake yeah, in dragging I mean, it out yeah it's a perfect ending I think it's a really you'd, good ha- you'd have that great ending and then you'd be like so where is this going is, yeah is that not the end because that's a good false ending yeah, yeah exactly so what's, what's the real ending this feels like the start of a beautiful friendship and then suddenly they're in a battlefield together. Just like, know, yeah. Machine gun fire over the head. Yeah, so yeah, that yeah. sort of thing. Wouldn't have worked. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I know, I think I'm really ends. glad they didn't have done, didn't do that. It'd have been like Gone with the Wind where it would have been a four-hour film. I yeah, think. like intermission at that mm. point. Yeah, there's a whole other movie, yeah. yeah. <laughs> what was the average runtime for films back in those days? Because Gone with the Wind, like you say, it's a really long film. Mm. And, I, and I can think of numerous films in that era that are all really, really long. And then there's some like some like this, which are really short. Yeah. Would it? Like, would you go to the cinema to go see this and be like, "Great, I can't wait to see what happens in the second half." Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. If, I don't know that. I think Gone with the Wind's more of an exception than a rule. There's okay. not many others that are like yeah clear over two hours. I was thinking like Ben Hur and stuff like that. Yeah, there's epics. Ben yeah. Hur would be one. The, yeah. The Ten Commandments, the the yeah. 1956 version. They could probably charge more money for like a double reeler or something. I don't know. Mm. But yeah. If it had an intermission, you'd pay twice as much, Maybe. possibly. But no, I think there's just as many that would like fairly concise. It's just you know you get movies today that go over three hours. What's that? Isn't the new James Bond one like close to three and a half? Like, oh, I'm not God. I'm not here for that at all. Oh, I mean, I, I I will go watch it, but that's that feels too long for a James Bond film. Yeah, absolutely. How long was Goldeneye? That's the perfect James Bond film. So however long Goldeneye was, the perfect one for me. That's the perfect James Bond film. So however long Goldeneye I'd is, I said about film. two hours. That's kind of how I measure films: is yeah. how much more or less they are than two hours. So this yeah. one's, it's not short. Like ninety minutes is short. Two hundred minutes is you know about. This feels like the right amount of time. Yeah. There's, there's no flab on this movie. It's very much like, yeah, it's it's the right length. Goldeneye, two hours ten. Really, mm-hmm. take it back. I mean, well, that's James, pacing for you. It's yeah. a James Bond film, so there's probably at least 15 minutes of credits. That is also true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, back to Casablanca. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, we, we get a lot of uh, a lot of tension between Rick and Elsa, kind of going back and forth about you know dancing around what's really happening. Meanwhile, uh, Rick is slowly being drawn into a little bit more of taking a side a little bit in the war because there there are certain scenes. I think Victor is very much, even though they don't have a lot of scenes together. Victor is kind of an instigator of Rick, his like moral awakening a little bit because he sees this guy who's like dedicated his life to freedom fighting, and that this is when we get the Marseille scene when the, everyone sings along to the um, the French ballad and drowns out the drowns out the Germans, and then the Germans uh, they shut down the bar. That's it, they shut down the bar, and that um, because that's the only thing they can think of to do to stop this. They can sense that there's rebellion in the air, so they shut down Rick's bar. Uh, I did love this. This is my favorite scene with Claude Rains, I think, uh, with. Captain Renault, because as I said, he's very like morally ambiguous. And the other thing that's happening in Rick's bar is that there's a lot of illegal gambling happening, which Captain Renault is extremely aware of and is participating in. And everyone turns a blind eye because they like the bar. And in this scene, he's like, he needs an excuse to close down Rick's bar. And he's like, we're shutting you down. For what reason? 
I'm shocked to discover that there's illegal gambling here. Oh, here's your winnings. Oh, thank you. He just gets handed. It's a really good like modern comedy beat. He gets like yeah, yeah. handed his winnings money in mid flow. Just takes it without missing a beat. It's really yeah, funny. The, the timing as well. It's great comedy yeah. timing. Yeah. It's uh, it's used as a gift that quite often for people. I bet who, it is. Yeah. Who obviously say, "Oh, I'm shocked." Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're obviously not. They're like. Mm. Classic yeah. hypocritical politician, yeah. So this is just after the uh, roulette scene as well. Oh, is this uh, when we get... This is when uh, Rick, sort of the first time he sort of intervenes mm. to help someone because there's a, a couple that want uh, to leave Casablanca. Mm. and uh, They're from Bulgaria, aren't they? They're a young yeah. married couple who come from Bulgaria, who fled the war from Bulgaria, yeah. And But they, they don't have the money. Mm. And Renault he's sort of implied that if the uh, young woman were to come and visit him alone, he could, uh, she could get a visa for both of them to leave. And that's the sort of the point where Rick intervenes and sort of fixes the game of roulette for this young man. Yeah, this is this is definitely the aspect of Renault's character that, like you said, hasn't aged terribly well. He's like basically forcing vulnerable young women to prostitute themselves to him for freedom. So. And it's pretty unambiguous about that's what he's doing. So yeah, yeah, it doesn't. I mean, it's a 1942 film. It doesn't sure. show anything. No, not at all. No. There's no, there's no doubt in your mind that's what's, what's going, going on, on there. there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but you're right. Rick takes pity on her and like she begs, she she begs him for help, and he kind of does his like he stays very hard and says no, I'm not in the business of helping people. But then he does. He he rigs. Well, I think his roulette game is just rigged. But he lets her... Well, certainly husband. easy to rig. Very easy game to rig. Yeah. I mean, you've worried at casinos, I'm sure you can tell <laughs> us all about it. But um, yes, it's yeah. he he helps the young lady's husband to win the money she, they need to get away without having to pimp the poor girl out to Renault. And then they, they, they leave. And then we see that, oh, he's, he's got a heart. His heart is growing ever so slowly. So, yeah. Do you wish to place another bet, sir? No, no, I guess not. Have you tried 22 tonight? I said 22. Marquons les jeux, mesdames et messieurs. Les jeux sont faits. La partie continue. Marquons les jeux. Fini. 22. Noir, père et passe. 22. Leave it there. Marquons les jeux, mesdames et messieurs. Les jeux sont faits. Marquons les jeux. La partie continue. Marquons les jeux. Les jeux sont faits. Rien ne va plus. 22. Noir, père et pas. Cash it in and don't come back. So, yeah, the bar, the bar gets closed down. And what happens then? And, 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 is that when he decides that he's going to help them to get out? Um... I think that's when she, when Ilsa, I can never remember her character name. Yeah, Il- Ilsa, Ilsa Lund, yeah. yeah. That's when she goes and confronts Rick uh, and she takes the gun. Oh, that's and, it, yeah. And we're all watching that. It's actually a really good scene. Mm, it's very really, tense, yeah. And her acting as well. I kind of, when I remembered this, I was thinking, well, she doesn't get that much to do, mm. which in a sense is true, but what she does... I mean, it's not all words, her acting. I think it's, it's yeah, it's a lot of, of it. It's yeah. emotion in her face, but she actually does really well. I think she's fantastic in this film. Yeah, no, I agree. I think the way, yeah, so much of it is in what she doesn't say. It's in like just her eyes when she's like looking at Rick or when she's looking at Victor and yeah. If you were to explain her role to someone, mm. you'd say, oh, it's a typical role for a woman in the 1940s film. She doesn't Yeah, do it could be. Apart from it could come across as men, quite passive, but, but it doesn't, it really It isn't well. really yeah. if you watch it. No, I agree completely, yeah. 
But that's right. So because the the net is definitely closing in on Victor now, and so they know that Rick has the papers that they need, and he won't give them to them. And so she hold tries to hold him up at gunpoint for them, but she doesn't really. Yeah, she can't do it. She can't bring herself to shoot him. Obviously, because he, he calls her bluff and just says like, "Go ahead, shoot me. You'll be doing me a favor." Because he's still really depressed about the fact that she's you know their relationship fell apart. Um, and I think this is when she finally confesses why she couldn't be with him about the fact that she was married to Victor and that you know she thought he was dead. And and then they reconcile. It's quite strongly implied that her and Rick have sex this night, or they certainly have some kind of reconciliation, right? A reconciliation. A reconciliation. A reconciliation. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds uh, like a Rick and Morty. That's what I was going to say. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And they must have done a Casablanca episode, surely, at this point. I mean, I've stopped watching it, but... I don't think so. No. I'm not up to date with the latest season. I've I, seen the previous ones. I, 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 I'm one episode behind. They've not done Casablanca yet, as far as okay. I know. I would have thought, uh, I would have thought that was a no-brainer for you know having him called Rick. But yeah, maybe. Who knows? Uh, anyway, so yeah. So then, I think he initially organises it, doesn't he? So he, he, he makes a deal with Renault... Because Renault knows that he has these magical papers that they can't just take from him or declared meaningless. So these papers are... It's yeah. like Willy Wonka's golden ticket. It's like, yeah, you've yeah. got these, you've made it, and no well, one can you stop you. You can't avoid them. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. They're, you know, they're made of Teflon, you can't destroy them. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> like that's, that scene in The Little Mermaid when um, King Triton shoots at Ursh. It's like, it's legal, binding, and completely unbreakable, even for you. <laughs> it's laminated. Yeah, yeah, all that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so... I think he makes a plan with Renault so that him and Ilsa can get out and so that they can rec- they can arrest Laszlo. That seems like what he's doing. And then he sells his bar to the larger gentleman whose name I've forgotten now. I think he's, he's played by... He's played uh, by someone quite well known, yeah. Uh, it's Ferrari. Ferrari. He's played by Sydney Greenstreet. That's it, yeah, yeah. He, he's, Just he's, to prove I actually did do my homework. You did, you did. He's quite an interesting character. He's like, he's like the, the local kind of kingpin. He like runs all the local bars except for Rick's bar, and he really wants to run Rick's Rick's bar. I, I feel like he's sort of neutral, but in a different way. So he he runs the bar, but he just, you know, he's on everyone's side. He's on whoever's paying the most. Yeah, he's side, he, he, but he's he, not staying out of it. Like Rick's trying to keep his nose you know, clean. Yeah, he's trying to keep his nose clean so he doesn't, you know, get himself arrested or get his bar shut down. Whereas uh, Ferrari's just he's just you know he's on every side. He's following the money, definitely. Yeah, yeah. So he sells his bar, Rick sells the bar to Ferrari and organizes it so that the idea, the plan is, as far as, as anybody knows, is that he will lure Ilsa and Victor to the airport and then the Germans can then arrest Victor on the understanding that him and, Il, that Rick and Ilsa can then Well, they lure, the they lure him to Rick's. Lure him to they? Rick's, that's yeah. it, lure him to Rick's, that's it, yeah. And so it goes ahead like that, they lure... Rick lures Ilsa and Victor to his bar, and then Renault is there ready to arrest Victor. And it looks like it's all working out beautifully for Renault at this point. Basically, yeah, he's on top, but then Rick turns it around. It's never clear whether he always planned to do the good thing or whether he just had a last-minute moment. Oh, I, I think he always planned. He always planned yeah, to do the right thing. That's yeah. my opinion. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I tend to agree, but I like that it keeps it a little bit ambiguous, where it, maybe it could be that he just has a moment of moral awakening. But he, anyway, he, he holds up Renault, uh, he points a gun at Renault and makes him stand down, I guess. And then they go to the... Although Renault double-crosses him because he calls Strasser, the German general, and kind of indicates what's going on. And then the, it, it all ends up, of course, in the very famous kind of denouement, the big conclusion in the air, air, airfield when they're waiting for the plane that's going to get them out. And uh, did you know how this plane scene was filmed? 
Uh, no, I do not. Okay, it's quite interesting. So because it was all shot on a Hollywood kind of back lot rather than not like on location. Also, nobody thought this film was going to be a hit. Like, this was a real surprise hit. Yeah, I read that as well, that they thought it was going to be, you know, average. It, it was fine. Yeah. It wasn't going to... Yeah, it was know, filmed as like a... I find, a, that, I find a bomb. that baffling. Really? The film that's about this and mm. it's set in... In the middle of the in the middle of the war, that it's not going to succeed critically. Like, yeah. sure, if people aren't going to the cinema for whatever reason, because you know the world's ending. I think it was but, more just that, like, neither of these, not like Humphrey Bogart wasn't really like a big lead. He was quite old. He wasn't really a leading man. She mm-hmm. was kind of an unknown Ingrid Bergman at the time. It was just like, yeah, like 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 you said, it, it's not like it was expected to be like this big disaster mm. but it was expected to be like an other movie you know mm. like, oh just oh here's another war they, movie. they really churned them out back yeah then yeah as well, there were lots so. of war movies coming out there's no yeah, reason yeah. this one would be so great so yeah the, it didn't really have much of a budget and mm. so yeah the, the only thing they could afford was a, a very small model plane mm-hmm. so what they did was <laughs> to make it look like it was to scale and not they, they hired uh, little people to kind of run alongside the planes and make it look like it was full size uh, okay. yeah <laughs> interesting like yeah, yeah. Tr- hollywood trickery yeah yeah, so we get this big denouement at the end where uh, everyone's at the airfield together and first of all, Rick looks like he's betrayed Victor and Ilsa and then he turns it around and he shoots General Strasser, mm-hmm. Major Strasser, and then Claude Rains, uh, Captain Renault, decides not to dob him in. He, he pretends he didn't say anything. Uh, Rick and Ilsa have their big farewell speech, which is just quote after quote after quote <laughs> after quote after quote. It's all of them. It's like, like I said before, it's here's looking at you, kid. It's... Mm-hmm. The problems of free people don't amount to a hill of beans in this old world. It's, you know, maybe you're, you're going to regret this. Maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, but someday for the rest of your life. Like, it's all there. It's all there. It's an amazing... We will always have Paris. We'll always have Paris. It's all there. They have this amazing speech. And he talks her into realising that even though she's in love with Rick, it's implied. Victor needs them more because Victor can do more. Victor is kind of, you know, he, he's this freedom fighter. and He inspires mm, people. Yeah. We saw in the in the bar scene earlier when he inspired all of the people to sing up against the French, against the Germans, sorry. Like, he needs the support more than he does, more than Rick does. So they have their tearful farewell. They make their escape just in time as the Germans arrive. And, uh, yeah, then Rick and Captain Renault, they walk off into the moonlight, not a sunset, into the moonlight <laughs> together. It's hard to tell, it's black and white. Um, and they're <laughs> like, uh, and, yeah, this is the start of a beautiful friendship. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a good ending. It's a very strong ending. It is, yeah. Yeah. This is also where the name of the film, The Usual Suspects, come from. Oh, really? Sec- oh, because that, that, that's second, another quotable line, yeah. The, the one just before the, you know, beautiful friendship line. Yes. The major has been shot, round up the usual suspects. Yeah, that's also on the list of the most quotable lines. Yeah, I'd forgotten about that, that that was the reason, but yeah. so it's Yeah, it's a very well-written film. Very, very well-written. So, uh, yeah, that's that a good pick. That's Casablanca. Yeah. Good shout, Martin. Mm-hmm. You're saying this only to make me go. I'm saying it because it's true. Inside of us, we both know you belong with Victor. You're part of his work, the thing that keeps him going. If that plane leaves the ground and you're not with him, you'll regret it. Maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, but soon and for the rest of your life. But what about us? We'll always have Paris. We didn't have, we we lost it until you came to Casablanca. We got it back last night. When I said I would never leave you. And you never will. But I've got a job to do, too. Where I'm going, you can't follow. What I've got to do, you can't be any part of. Ilza, I'm no good at being noble, but it doesn't take much to see that the problems of three little people don't amount to a hill of beans in this crazy world. Someday you'll understand that. Now, now. He's looking at you, kid. 
So, Casablanca drinking games. Who wants to start? All right. First one I've got, Drink for Singing. Drink for Specifically for that song? or Just any, any song, anyone yeah. who, and, and, when anyone sings a song. It's, I mean, it's a very, for a film that's not a musical, it's it's very musical. Mm-hmm. That's good. Obviously, as time goes by, is multiple times throughout the whole film. But yeah. there, there are, there, there's the, the singing of the French and the German songs. That's great yeah, songs. I had Drink for La Marseillaise. Drink the for French, La Marseillaise. The yeah. French national anthem, yeah. It, I mean, it's in that one scene. Is it in other scenes or... Do you mean just like uh, yeah, down? No, it they, while that they song do. Played? No, they do. The the first sort of four or five notes in oh, okay. several other. Do, 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 like do, a theme. Do, oh, of course. Do, yeah, you're right. Do, do, do. Yeah, and I noticed just, it throughout the throughout the score. It was in there a lot. Yeah, you just sort of get those. I didn't count. That's about eight notes, I think. You just get those eight mm. notes quite a few times. Probably among the top five most recognizable eight notes in all of music. Surely that. Do, 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 Maybe. Yeah. yeah. Very good. My first one is drink for height masking. Yeah. I don't know if you know this, or if you noticed this, Ingrid Bergman, who played Ilsa, was actually a good two inches taller than Humphrey Bogart. No, I, <laughs> no. I got the impression he's not very tall. But no, he's a very that. short. No. He was a very short man. Yeah, and so obviously, it's, I mean, even today, that's a problem. Well, it's not a problem. What people think of it as a problem, but in the forties, it was totally unacceptable that the leading actress should be taller than the actor. It would look ridiculous. So yeah, what, what's his height again? I don't know what his exact height is. Or she, I just know she's taller. Okay. Um, I think they were both. I don't think either of them were like super short. I think it was just like or super tall. It was just was what it was, you know. Yeah. But how many yeah. Tom Cruise is taller? Is she? I don't know. He's probably about Tom Cruise. That's how I measure everything these yeah, days. Yeah, sure. A Tom Cruise in a head or something. Yeah. I don't know. But yeah, you'll notice if you you'll notice if you watch it back that in many scenes when they're together, there's, most of the time she'll be seated and he'll be standing. Mm-hmm. Classic. Yeah, at the bar, that's quite easy to do. Yeah. In the love scenes, she's always slouching. Mm-hmm. she's always having to like lean back into, lean into his armpit and stuff because like they can't ever be completely sat, you know I mean, in they put him on a box they did that too they had yeah. him standing on boxes yeah she okay. had to stand in a ditch occasionally so <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely so it just it's funny to, if, if you know that's happening because there's so many scenes when they're together mm. it's really funny because you can mm. be like oh wow they really they really it took a village to make this happen you know yeah 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 <laughs> oh that must be really like just hard for him to just be like yeah pretend you're a really tall man yeah but also i think it must be weird for the women like i've, I've, I've heard like actresses today talk because this still goes on mm. today talk about how they've been with actors like people like tom cruise and matt damon who are mm. quite short people and they've just like we're gonna dig you a ditch madam and you're gonna stand in this ditch for this scene and they're <laughs> like and i can't remember who it was someone was saying they were in a scene with a short actor and, and she had to like literally get into a ditch before their big love scene mm-hmm. and she said to the actor something like don't you think this is weird? And he was like, nope. <laughs> Everyone does this to me. Yeah, 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 exactly. Like for him, it's like, yeah. mm. it's hilarious how that still goes on. But What do you say down there, do you? Yeah. <laughs> so definitely drink for obvious height masking. Yeah. That's my long drinking game. Yeah. Drink for dry and cynical humor. Oh, good one. Good one. Yeah. A lot of this is, a lot of this is Captain Renault. I think he's got a lot of good, he, he's our, and Rick as well. A Rick lot has of his, it too. Uh, something Humphrey Bogart was known for. Yes, he had a very bone dry wit. Yeah, I like the line when there's a guy, I think the guy who gets shot quite early on says, uh, you despise me, don't you? And he's like, if I ever thought of you, maybe I would. <laughs> <laughs> That's cold. That is ice cold. That. Mm. Like, I don't even think about you enough to dislike you. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great response. That is a good one. You're going to use that, aren't you? Mm, yeah. Okay, next one I've got is drink whenever sex between two of the characters could conceivably have happened right after a scene. Implied. Heavily yeah. implied sex scene. Yeah, definitely. Because yeah. it's the 1940s. They're not going to show it, but mm, uh, no. certainly very much implied in this mm. movie. Yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm. Uh, drink every time somebody mentions the war. 
Oh yeah. Yeah, thinking like Faulty Towers here, don't mention the war. Yeah. So that wouldn't that wouldn't play in this movie. It's no. it's, it's a theme that comes up quite a lot, of course. So, mm-hmm. yeah. It's one that's kind of been touched on, but drink for piano playing. Oh yes. That kind of ties mm-hmm. in with music, didn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Did you know uh, another fascinating fact about this film that the guy who played Sam actually could not play the piano to save his life? <laughs> so actually if you watch it back with that note, it's also very bad fake piano player it's really obvious fakey fakey piano player I did notice at one point that he was definitely like putting one hand up and one hand down yeah like, it's oh. really it's very like yeah. it's not like finger finger it's, it's like yeah bash mm-hmm. bash bash it's great yeah. uh, he was a talented he, he is singing and he, he was a talented jazz drummer but he just okay. wasn't the pianist it. I, I did read that drummer that's it did, yeah did he know how pianos were played that's the thing you'd think if someone's good at one <laughs> instrument they could kind of get they by on the ball another. Yeah. But yeah. whatever, didn't or fake it a little better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, definitely drink for piano playing, or even more so for bad fake piano playing. I think mean, mm-hmm. it's a very good one. Um, I've also got drink whenever anybody rips something up. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of like ripping papers or ripping checks, sort of little messages and stuff. Oh sure, absolutely. Um, yeah, I started noticing that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, drink for camp side characters. <laughs> did you okay. notice there's a lot of kind of very queer coded characters, like not not the main characters, but like one scene characters here and there there's that guy one be- or two. yeah that guy at the very beginning who's like pickpocketing the rich couple he is screaming like, <laughs> <laughs> i was like for 1942 i was like oh that's really interesting is it but then it was like it was that like the old game of like gay or european was it was it was he knowing he was playing someone super camp or was it more like oh this is this is what a european person's like i've never heard of that game before oh it's a classic <laughs> gay, gay or european is it's it's a it's a it's foolproof you can play it to this day <laughs> Unfortunately, along with these unhappy refugees, the scum of Europe has gravitated to Casablanca. Some of them have been waiting years for a visa. I beg of you, monsieur, watch yourself. Be on guard. This place is full of vultures, vultures everywhere. Everywhere. <laughs> thank you, thank you very much. Not at all. Au revoir, monsieur. Au revoir, madame. Au revoir. <laughs> Amusing little fellow. <laughs> Drink when you forget what nationality someone's supposed to be because oh, they're all speaking God. English. Oh, yeah. yeah. All I, the time. I couldn't work it out at all. That made the first half hour of the movie very confusing. Yeah. yeah I had a same. drinking game, same one, which is drink every time you go French or German. Mm-hmm. French or German. What is this accent? Yeah. They, it was hard to kind of pass what they were all supposed to be. It, it makes sense at the end. but And like before I kind of got what was going on and like what the what scene they were setting. I was like, wait, which side of the war does this film fall on? Like, yeah. who, who are we rooting for here? Mm. It was, uh, yeah, it was a very confusing opening to this movie. Yeah. Uh, drink every, this this one could kill you. Drink every time someone lights a cigarette. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we had this I with Mildred Pierce most as well. most 1940s films. Yeah, we've had this with all the whole season. Them, it, it, it's a good repeat. It's a good, like, general 1940s film drinking game because... God, they smoked. Yeah. Um, similar to your drink every time they mention the war, drink every time they say Casablanca. Oh, yes. That's when they name drop the movie. Mm-hmm. Good branding there, yeah. Mm-hmm. Any more? Uh, I had one last one that we've actually probably talked about enough, which is drink for all six of the AFI top 100 quotes. Oh, yeah, I'd uh, drink for a good memorable quote. But yeah, every time they quote. But the thing is, again, that would just kill you at the end because they, so many yeah. of them at the end, like, you'd just be like, glug, 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 glug. <laughs> there is another one that's not nominated that goes something like you'd need a miracle and the germans have banned miracles yes that's a good one as far as that's not on the list yeah i guess seven might be too many but yeah it's a great script uh i've got a couple more have you got any more nah, okay i'm I've out got, okay i've got a couple more uh 
This one will destroy you. Drink every time Rick or Ilsa say each other's names. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, Richard, Richard, Ilsa. Ilsa. Yeah. You'd be dead. Oh, my last one is drink every time you spot a new hat. <laughs> That's the most you drinking game ever. <laughs> I know, but I loved how there were a lot of hats in this movie. This movie had strong hat game. Like yeah. lots of, all the characters had multiple hats on. Because he had his, he's got his like 1940s barkeeper hat on, you know. Mm-hmm. The soldiers have many many hats there's lots of like side characters like old posh ladies wearing hats mm-hmm. ilsa has many a hat on like mm-hmm. it's, it's, yeah it's, it's a very hatty movie i don't know what to tell you yeah, yeah. that's yeah. all i've got though okay well listeners if you want any more drinking games because you know we only three of them made the edit um <laughs> then you can get the extended version of this episode by going to patreon.com slash beyond the box set there if you support john for as much or as little as you think you think we're worth just me Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you're not taking it. That's fine. Didn't realize you weren't taking yourself. a cut anymore. Yeah. <laughs> well, maybe I'm not worth it. Yeah. Um, you only pay by the word, so <laughs> <laughs> a pittance, really. <laughs> um, anyway, yes, you can support both me and John um, for as much or as little as you think that we are worth, and there you get a bonus show where we review recent releases. You also get, like I say, the extended version of the main episode. You can have a 30 second advert slot right here on the main show. And every now and then, this week is a great example. We do Patreon episodes. You get a guest on, yes. Where we get a Patreon supporter, such as yourself, Martin, mm-hmm. to uh, come and uh, pick a film for us. You don't have to guest if you, if you don't want to, but you, you can and you're very welcome to. Mm-hmm. So all that is available at patreon.com slash beyond the box set. Indeed. Mm-hmm. Let's see, Alex. Uh, what do you think of Jaws? which is at 97% Rotten Tomatoes. I find it to be anti-shark propaganda. What do you feel about the Entourage movie, which is at a meager 33%? I think they finally got Hollywood right. How about It Follows, 97%. Worse than your parents giving you the sex is evil talk. How do you feel about Juno, which is at 94%? That would be a movie that celebrates a teenage homewrecker. Uh, How about Bewitched at 25%? Best television adaptation ever put to film. How do you feel about American Hustle? The towering 93%. Overwrought awards bait. Righteous Kill, 19%. The movie that Michael Mann wishes he had made when he created Heat. Sounds about right. I'm Julio. I'm Alex, and we are the Contrarians. As you can tell, our thing is that we rage against the Rotten Tomatoes machine. Regardless of what we really feel. Find us on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, TuneIn. Facebook, Twitter, we're everywhere. So, should we go for some sequels? Yeah, sure. So, me and Harry have, just, have collaborated this week, and we come up with three kind of short sequel ideas. How do you, We could do one of ours, and then you could do yours in the middle, or you could just do yours, or you could do yours at the end. How do you, how do you um, feel? I've got two, but one of them's a one-liner. Okay. Shall we start with that one? Let's start with the one-liner, then we'll do one of ours, and we'll go back to yours, and we'll beat it back and forth, yeah, so to speak. Yeah. Uh, my first one is Casablanca. I, I was, should have known. I, have known. I, I oh, thought definitely. I thought you two might have had a side bet on that one. Yeah, you know we should have done. So Martin, yeah. uh, one of the, one of the if you ever asked anyone to like name say three facts about Martin, he loves cats. Would definitely be in the top two. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> he works for he he volunteers at uh, cat protection. So if you want to see yep. lots of cute cat uh, activity, you should definitely follow him on Instagram. Is it what's your Instagram? Is it uh, MG loves fun? MG loves fun on. And, just about everything that I'm actually on, yeah. You are, but on, on Instagram, it's particularly cat-heavy, I've noticed. So, yeah. Well, yeah, it has been, it is. So. Yeah. Yeah, no, Martin loves his cats. So, yeah, cats. I do like the idea of this film, just re- they're all just played by cats. 
Uh, I, I, I like it as like the film Cats yeah. with two detention stuff. Yeah, that was my thought that that could be an absolute uh, glorious disaster is mm-hmm. the cast of Cats with terrible CGI mm-hmm. doing this film. But also it's never mentioned that they're cats. Yeah. <laughs> yeah sure. So <laughs> it's which, just like a weird feline World War II. So if, this, if we are using the same actors who were in the disastrous 2019 movie Cats, yes. who, which Cats slash actor is playing? Uh, uh, just, let's just go for the main four. So who's... Who's Rick? James Corden. James Corden's Rick. Okay, mm-hmm. sure. Who's Ilsa? Uh, what's her face? Uh, does that help you? <laughs> Jennifer Hudson? <laughs> um, Could be Taylor Swift. Taylor, she's only in it for one scene. Uh, let's go for Jennifer Hudson. So so it's now James Corden and Jennifer Hudson are the love interests in this film. <laughs> oh, one. I hate it already. <laughs> so, uh, oh, so bad. Yeah. Uh, who's going to play uh, Captain Renault? Uh Oh, Idris Elba. Yes. He was the McCavity, wasn't he? Mm-hmm. And, then was. I, and then I guess Victor Laszlo, he can be Ian McKellen. Ian McKellen, yeah. yeah. Okay, I can sense. see that happening, yeah. Yeah. So what Jennifer Hudson's, like, now husband is Ian McKellen. Oh, she's really in between a rock and a hard place, isn't she? <laughs> she's James, stuck between James Corden and Ian James McKellen. James Corden and Ian McKellen, every, every straight woman's dream. Uh, <laughs> I, I mean, rolling back a bit, I don't think Laszlo has much to do in this. I think he's by far the weakest character. It is true, he doesn't have a lot to do. Yeah, He's more of a plot point than a character. He really that's is. that's not really the actor's fault. It's my biggest yeah. gripe of the movie. Yeah. I don't everyone think else it... gets a decent bit of screen time and enough to do, but yeah, he's really left out. Yeah, I don't think I wanted this film to be longer. I don't think I wanted to see more of him. Mm. And I don't think the actor did a bad job so much as he was there because the plot required it. Yeah, exactly. He's, he's never good nor bad. He's just there, yeah. Apparently nobody liked him. Well, it's just set. like when it, when it gets to the end and he's like, no, you need to go off with him because, you know, he's great. Like, well, was he? Yeah. It'd be better if like him and Rick were really like, evenly matched in terms yeah. of screen time and It would have been good charisma. if they yeah. kind of had a rivalry. Yeah. Um, and just, yeah, a bit more. And, he, and he'd proven himself in some form as opposed to just, we hear these, these, uh, these we hear he's a nice of what guy, he's done. Yeah. Yeah, 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 I agree. Yeah. I take it back. This movie's shit. <laughs> it doesn't, it doesn't work at all. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, for sure. So Casablanca, I love that. Yeah. Um, I guess since you've done your first one was your like riff on popular culture with cats. Should we do our Star Wars one? Oh, that gives it away. Well, I mean, I'm just saying that's basically what the theme of this one is. So uh, what was it called again? Oh, this was... Play another... Play it again, Han. Ah. Or Han, mm-hmm. yeah. So it, it really struck me watching this movie, and I'm sure it's not coincidental, there are there's a real similarity to I feel to the first Star Wars movie specifically the scenes in Tatooine how I mean how well do you know the Star Wars movies uh I mean I've seen them all apart from the most recent one so you know the first uh, one I've, right yeah, I've hope, seen yeah. the, the first one yeah that's now called a new hope yes yeah, so you know that many times yeah. well there you go so you know what we're talking about so you know the the Mos Eisley Cantina yes which is where uh, Luke and Obi-Wan first meet Han Solo I feel like that and I don't know if that's a deliberate inspiration of George Lucas's. This I wouldn't be surprised. But that kind of felt like Casablanca. You know, it's like, A, there's a war on, and there's two kind of, you know, there's the Empire and then Rebel Alliance. You know, there's the Allies and the Axis. And Tatooine and Mos Eisley was always very neutral, it seemed, in Star Wars. And it was just this kind of melting pot of all these different characters hanging out who had no particular political allegiance. Some of them were quite shady characters. And I just felt like that could be an interesting way of reinventing the film maybe as like because they, they love to do a star wars spin-off series now so i was thinking well we were thinking that uh what if it was hans what if rick was hans solo he has a hans solo kind of vibe you know he's 
trying to not he's trying to be neutral but then there's a love there's a bit of a love in love triangle with this this mysterious woman and also kind of a clean cut guy as you know luke obviously in casablanca victor and ilsa are not brother and sister so that helps but um <laughs> yeah for this one we just thought we'd cast it so yes obviously rick is han solo that goes without saying ilsa is clearly princess leia yeah that goes without saying uh victor is luke we figured that major strasser the german guy he's got to be darth vader which yeah. what i like about that is that makes major strasser well isla and victor's dad yeah add a little uh little extra to the plot at all a lot of question marks i think yeah yeah so like they're not just escaping the nazis they're escaping like an evil family but my favorite bit about this sequel pitch though is the idea of the character of sam (laughs) who always in this in this film repeatedly just it's like play it again sam and the song he plays again over and over again is as time goes by and of course so i was thinking there could be a great scene in this where you know, Moss Eisley Cantina, you can see all, all these different aliens. A beautiful woman walks in, she sits at a bar, she calls over the, the musicians, and she says, play it again. I don't know, whatever the characters are called. You know the one. Oh, we don't play that anymore, Miss Ilsa. Play it again, play it again. But if you insist. <laughs> like if that was the song, how funny would that be? <laughs> That would make a great sort of YouTube remix. It should, this yeah. Film, I, I'm amazed it? no one's like done like a spoof like this, just 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 like an SNL sketch or something like that. Would be really funny. But uh, yeah, so that that's all we got for that. Just the idea of the film, but instead of being set in Casablanca, Morocco, in World War Two, it's set in the Mos Eisley Cantina on Tatooine in uh, the in Star Wars: A New Hope. So yeah, pretty straightforward that one, but uh, made us laugh to think about it. <laughs> uh, do we want to bounce back to your major main idea, your second and uh, idea? yeah, I would say that actually leads on quite well cool. um, to my main idea because um, I'm uh, for people who don't know me, I'm very uncreative. Oh, so say it. In, so. <laughs> so I've gone for a remake, but in a different setting. Okay. Um, so it's set in a dystopian United States in 2050 that's been taken over by fascists. Okay, I like basically. it. Basically, and we're also I, mean, I don't to... like that idea, but I like I like it as an <laughs> I like idea. The setup as a setup for a film. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not endorsing it, but I like the idea, yeah. Uh we're also going to gender flip it. So we've okay. got a bar, but it's being run by, by Madonna. Really... <laughs> <laughs> and Ashton Kutcher walks in. <laughs> Boom, she was ahead of her time. Well, I think I think we'll get to casting at the end, I yeah, think. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, okay. Uh, and she she's very beautiful, but very hard and very sort of cynical and has lots of cynical humour. So this is our Rick, yeah? Yeah. And what's actually going to happen is that a freedom fighter is going to come her way and is sort of trying to hide underground. And they're trying to get to Canada because Canada's a free country. Oh, sure. A bit like The Handmaid's Tale, yeah. I was thinking the same thing. Yeah, okay, yeah. sure. But what she's uh, managed to get from one of her customers that's died is actually a pair of uh contact lenses okay um because the way people get id'd is you your eyes get scanned Mm -hmm. but she's managed to get hold of two pairs of undetectable contact lenses that can beat the scanners basically okay yeah but this freedom fighter comes in and a female freedom fighter who's with her partner who's her ex so is this all all themes like a lesbian kind of thing or no, it's a, it's a male. Um, her ex is a man. Right, so, so, the, so the man is Ilsa. 
gender flipped. Yeah, so but he's married to so a new woman. Those three characters fighter. are all gender flipped. I see. Okay, I get you. Okay, and she's like, nope, don't want to see you. Get out. Yeah, you know, not going to help you. Don't care who you're with. Don't care who that they're. All the bars you could walk into. Yeah, of all the lesbian <laughs> bars in all America, you had to walk into mine. <laughs> but um, eventually, she comes. The bar owner um, comes to realize the importance of you know, this freedom fighter and getting them to safety. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's more of an action movie as well. So they're actually going to, they're trying to go underground and try and, you know, keep the nose clean mm-hmm. and they get found out and they have to fight their way to the border. Right. So we're going to have the, the major Strasse character played by a man. Mm-hmm. Um, they're going to have, you know, a big, a big fight, a big melee before the end of the film, before the two, our two heroes, our freedom fighter and her boyfriend make it to the border and make it to Canada. Right. Yeah. Okay. I like it. Uh, does that plot, does it remind you of anything or? So two women fighting their freedom, fighting their way. One to man, the one, man one man and two, two women, women fighting their way to the border. And it's not just the handmaid. Well, obviously the handmaid's tale. That's it's very much that plot. But I'm guessing there's something else that you're referencing. That, here. This is based on Roger Ebert. Have you heard of him? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Of his review of Barb Wire. Oh, yes, I did hear and about this, because Barb Wire... Pamela, so you know Pamela Anderson from Baywatch? Sure, yeah. yeah. I know before yeah. your time, but you know who it is, yeah? Yeah, yeah. yeah she made a film, a straight-to-video film, I think, in the 90s called Barb Wire, which is apparently, I've not seen it, mm-hmm. a, like, softcore porn, like, I loose, can confirm, I've seen it. Of course you have. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's a loose remake of... Uh, yeah, so, yeah, I've not seen Barb Wire, but I have heard that it's a loose remake of Casablanca, so that's, <laughs> I like that, that's... We I should thought, do that film. I, yeah. I was, yeah, I considered changing the retinal scanner. Um, to something else, yeah. Because I thought if you've seen it, you might go, wait, that sounds like barbed wire. Yeah. But yeah, the, the You're elements... implying that we've all watched barbed wire, which is a bit, even for us, is a stretch, Martin, but sure. Well, I, I did say I liked terrible films. No, that's That's right, yeah. my excuse, and I'm sticking to it. I am not against watching barbed wire for this podcast at all. Mm-hmm. Okay, I like it. That's very good. Is that 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 it? Yeah. Well, yeah, that's cool. the end of my ideas. I love it. So, yeah. So, so Pam. So, I guess the casting is it's Pamela Anderson and some of her and Hasselhoff. Yeah, I, don't know, yeah. I I can't remember. There was no one else she, famous in that film. No, I think in Barbed Wire. No, it was just her. Yeah, and then I'm just thinking of other Baywatch, Baywatch people. It was like maybe it's like a Baywatch revival. Maybe it's like Pam, I mean this, we're going back a long while now. Pamela Anderson, Hasselhoff, and Yasmin Bleef, I think was the other yeah. one. Yeah, sure. Or get Demi Moore in there get as Demi well. Get Demi Moore, yeah. From, from striptease. From yeah. striptease. Yeah. Sure. Modern Bay Watchers in there. Is that to... show still on? What, well, no, the film they did not long with The Rock. And oh, they Zac did Efron. do a film version, you're right. I, I'd completely forgotten. Yeah. yeah. Was that like an all male thing? Or it was more, I, I don't know, I just remember those two. I know the girl from San Andreas is in it. I don't like her, she's got weird eyes. I don't know who that is. Great, great podcasting, Harry. (laughs) Thanks. Cool. Uh, Did you have a title for that or was it just... um... No, it was just because it it fits the bill and also I wanted to see if either of you would, you know... You you tried to out us as barbed wire fans. Yeah. (laughs) If you knew the retinal scanner detail, I thought you might twig. Yeah, no, sad to say barbed wire is a blind spot in my bad movies canon, but I'm very much open to watching it. So, uh, yeah. It's quite an enjoyable bad movie. I'm sure it's, it is. It's definitely bad. Okay, sure. It is undeniably a bad movie. Great. Well, that sounds right up our street. So, <laughs> coming soon. Yeah. Uh, great. Should we do our next one? Yeah. What okay. So, so, so the title that I've been working on for the past uh, 10, 15 minutes is uh, 
Catch me if you can, Sablanca. Oh, Harry. <laughs> Very good. And that was 15 minutes work, was it? It's <laughs> <laughs> taken all day. Um, I've got another one as well for the uh, third idea that we've got, and it is not as good an idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this one, um, we decided to go with a prequel. So Victor, so his thing is that he's what escaped from a... He's a Czech freedom fighter who's escaped from the Nazis, yeah. Yeah, that's that's, that's what we hear in the film. So I wanted to see some of that, um, mm. see a bit of the history with him and not Isla, not Lisa. Ilsa. 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 God. Yeah. So I've it's got all the letters. The, it's the same four letters, you just put them in the right order. It's a tricky <laughs> one, yeah. Yeah, so Victor is he, well, he's a Czech freedom fighter. He joins the resistance when Czechoslovakia is occupied by the Nazis. Um, but he flees to Sweden when Prague is occupied. Sweden being famously neutral in World War II, so a safe space for people. Essentially. Mm-hmm. And that's where he meets a nice Swedish girl, Ilsa. You got it right. Yeah. <laughs> Falls in love, gets married, and you know, then they're going to have the little happy ever after. But uh, he's still feeling a little bit guilty about escaping the war because it's all very much still going on and. He's left his it. people behind. He yeah. doesn't feel good about it. He's watching from afar as Prague is being occupied. So, yeah. So they travel down to Paris to join the resistance. But shortly after, he is he, he's clocked by some Nazis and he's arrested. And she's told that he's died. So that's where she is now. Tying in with the original movie. A widow, course. as far as she knows. She can go off to go and meet Rick. But <laughs> we're going to stick with Victor and see how, how his story plays out. So, like I say, he gets taken to a concentration camp um, back in Czechia, I think. In Czech- Czechia? Do you mean the Czech Republic? Czechoslovakia at this Czechoslovakia, point. Czechoslovakia, yeah. They have to be separated, yeah. Oh. <laughs> it's, constantly, it's difficult. Um, it, it, they have changed the name quite a lot. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so he's stuck in a concentration camp, but he manages to make a few friends there, and uh, they sure shrank that bitch. <laughs> They escape from the concentration. This could also sort of cross in with escape to victory as well. Yes, though. We did think it was a bit of a great escape, escape to victory kind of vibe. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so there's a, a, a lovable group of scoundrels that escape from a prison, but there is a prison guard who's drew for a promotion and he's been doing so well at not letting anybody go. He's but, got a perfect record of no escapes from this concentration camp. Yeah. So he's Major Strauss. So he's obviously he 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 lives to see uh, Casablanca, and uh, Major Strauss pursues them. Like they've escaped, but he manages to track them down, and he tracks them right across Europe, picking them off one by one. It's a vendetta because they're the first people who've ever escaped from his camp, so he has to get them back or kill dead or alive. Mm-hmm. But uh, he never quite manages to catch Victor, and Victor manages to reunite with uh, with, with with Elsa, gets a boat to Casablanca. That's why we link him with the original film. So it's giving Victor basically a full arc in his own kind of prequel. And Strasser as well. And Stra- yeah, yeah we're giving bit, Strasser yeah. more of a backstory because it's he's like literally pursued Victor through across Europe, like desperate to get him back. Mm. Like, it really raises the stakes of those characters. Yeah, and so it gives a little bit more. So yeah, that's uh, Catch Me If You Can, Sablanca. <laughs> Who did you say we were going to get? We're, we're thinking this would be a good one if they wanted to like make a modern take on Casablanca without just remaking Casablanca. You could just do a prequel kind of thing. Yeah, that's one of the things I thought when I chose this film is it opens itself up for both, for prequels yeah. and for sequels. So who did you say was going to play Victor Laszlo in this iteration of this prequel? Oh, I completely forgot what we decided. He won an Oscar a couple of years ago, played Freddie Mercury. 
<laughs> you can just say that. Um, so I was thinking Rami Malek. Rami Malek. Rami Malek yeah, yeah. as Victor Laszlo. Yeah, that could work. Yeah. And who's like the young Ilsa, do we think? Oh, God, I have no idea. No. I can't think of many young, like, early 20s sort of actresses off the top Saoirse of Ronan. Oh, no. Harry's f- eternal favourite, Saoirse Ronan. No, please, no. Yeah. What about Lily James? Yeah, or you could have one of the, like a Swedish actress, Alicia yeah. Vikander, because she's, oh, yeah. she's full of Swedish. So, That's yeah. great, yeah. 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 No brainer, that, Alicia that Vikander, works. yeah. So, yeah. Because obviously Ingrid Bergman is famously Swedish, and I'm guessing from the name Ilsa Lund that her character is also supposed oh, yeah. to still be Swedish. <laughs> yeah. So we thought that backstory of him running away from Czechoslovakia to Sweden, which was neutral in World War II, would explain how she gets pulled into all of this. Because otherwise, what's her reason for being involved? So, yeah. So that, yeah, that, that was uh, Catch Me If You Can, Sablanka. And our third idea, uh, just to, not as detailed as that, I don't think, this is our only direct sequel. And Harry, I can see, has uh, come up with a title for this. Do you want me to read it out? Go on. Like I say, it's not as good as uh, the first so, time. Harry, obviously, he loves a themed title. <laughs> this, this one is he's entitled Casablan Can We Go Now? Doesn't really roll off the tongue. <laughs> Doesn't really work. No, not a winner. Okay. But what we're thinking for this one is, so the original movie ends. So Rick and Elsa have had this little reunion. Then he puts her on the plane with Victor, sends her away. As far as we know, they're never going to see each other again. They get the flight from Casablanca to Lisbon, Lisbon. And, then, and then they get, a, presumably, they get onto a, a, a ship to America, the New World. So I'm thinking they get on, they successfully get on a boat to America. Obviously, that's going to take them quite a long time. En route, Ilsa discovers she is pregnant. She's up duff. She's up the duff, up duff, yeah. <laughs> uh, and she realizes the baby can only be Rick, Rick's. Because maybe her and Victor haven't actually had relations in the time period where that would make sense. If not at the time, they've been running away from yeah. Major Strauss. He's under such pressure, you know, being yeah. chased by the Nazis, literally being chased yeah. by yeah, the Nazis. Yeah, maybe he's just Europe. not in the mood, you know, it's mm. quite a lot of, lot of pressure. So, anyway, so yeah, so she realizes that she's had a baby. No, no, she's pregnant with a baby. It can only be Rick's. So she writes him a letter. And so I'm thinking this sequel can open with Rick, you know, he's still in Casablanca. He's, you know, probably expecting to be arrested any day now for the murder of Major Strauss, but so far he's managed to keep a low profile. Well, the Nazis have given him notice to say, like, oh, please come in for a meeting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you've got seven <laughs> days notice and then we're going to arrest you. Yeah. <laughs> They're polite like that, Nazis, yeah. 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 Uh, but, well, they, they were in this film. Yeah, no, I agree. It's true, yeah. yeah. But we're thinking that this film opens with Rick getting a letter from Ilsa, who he expects never to hear from again. Uh, and it is her confession. She's saying, I'm really sorry. I know that we were never meant to see each other again. I'm carrying your baby. So uh, you need to come to America, whatever. So then he, then he, then this gives Rick this massive dilemma because in the original Casablanca movie, it is very clearly yet vaguely established that he can't go. Something's keeping him from going back to America. He's like, I can never go back there. I did something horrible, which the movie never establishes what he did, why he's not supposed to go back to America. So this could be a good opportunity to explore that. Like, what did Rick do? Why can he not go back to America? Yeah, you're right. I'd kind of forgotten about that. It's quite early on, and because it never comes up again, because it's quite fast-paced. Yeah, it's just like, again, it's like a plot point. You can yeah. forget it quite easily, yeah. Yeah. So then we f- we figured that he would travel to America to meet Ilsa with Sam, who's like his best friend and travel buddy, because I feel like if, you know, if Victor's going, uh, Sam, if Rich is going, Sam, if Rick is going, I feel like Sam's going to follow, because I don't feel like being, a, being an African-American in uh, 1942 in... A German-occupied territory is probably going to be the safest place in the world. So, not that America's all peaches and cream at this point for him either. But you know, <laughs> yeah, 
it's a, it's a modest step up, you know. Uh, so yeah, the two of them set off back to America, and I, I guess they you know they have several months on the on a boat, but they do get to America, and then they have to cross the country to try and track down Ilsa. And uh, yeah, I'm guessing we were thinking like at this point we could tease out what it was that Rick did that they did. Why he said, can't go back? Why he can't go back? I don't think we ever really landed on definitive solution, did we? I think the best thing we came up with is that he farted in a church and is really <laughs> embarrassed about it. Yeah, we we thought it'd be really funny if like his big like dark secret was something incredibly banal, but like he just he was just too embarrassed. Like yeah, he did a bad comp. He did like a bad fifteen minutes of open mic or something. You know, just just he was so mortified he could never come back or something. So pooed himself in front of the president mm. or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But for whatever reason, yeah, he's back in America. He has to hunt down Ilsa, and then maybe there's a like a duel between him and Victor. Now they have to like fight for her love or whatever. So we were thinking this could be a good opportunity to make Victor a bit of a, a rotter, like to, to justify her getting back together with Rick. Like maybe they have like a, a pistols at dawn kind of thing for her love. And maybe Victor tries to cheat it. Like tries to shoot turn, turn around yeah. too quickly or something, but he still loses. Turns around too quickly. He misses. Rick gets the drop on him. Yeah. 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 I think that's quite a good idea. Cause your previous idea you were like, well, what if Victor, what if we showed what a hero he was and mm-hmm. that he was, you know, going back to Czechoslovakia to try and free his people from the Nazi occupation. Mm-hmm. So in this sequel to go the other way, I think it's a good idea. Yeah, so yeah. we're showing both sides of Victor's personality. We're giving him a lot more, more dimensions than the original film does because he's quite a flat character in the original. So, yeah. Yeah, so that was Casablan. Casablan, can we go? That's so hard to say. <laughs> Casablan, can we go now? Yeah, I think our, I think we'd all agree our second idea was our best. I think it's <laughs> safe to say the yeah Casablanca catch me if you catch me if you Casablanca is the best one. Yeah, yeah. Catch me if you Casablanca. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Clearly, you should be on sequel reading duties. Yeah. <laughs> I so, mean, I also did write the title for the bad ones. So. You did, yeah. So, yeah. I that. so cool. Yeah, those were our sequel ideas. Shall we move on quickly to listener submissions? Yeah. It's going to be weird not having MG Loves Fun writing in. I know, right? So there's a handful this week. Well, I'm normally about a day late. (laughs) You still usually get on the air. Uh, So Will Buckingham said, I think you should do a split movie of Ingrid and the French dude doing their... I guess that means Victor Laszlo. I thought he was Czech, but whatever. Doing their thing and Bogey and the amiable... And the amiable, absolutely morally terrible former police captain doing their thing. And at the end, everyone gets together and you wrap it up in a thin man whodunit fancy dinner. Oh, yeah, and there's a murder in there somewhere. I don't know. I'm not a screenwriter. So I kind of fizzled yeah. out, but sure, yeah. I guess it's kind of not a million miles away from our idea, whereas, like, Ilsa and Victor are doing... They're on the road to America. Uh, Rick and Claude Rains, they're having an adventure, and it, I guess something brings them together. Mm-hmm. Sure. Anyway, John Cummins Sands said... Casablanca... Sorry. Ca- John Cummins Sands said, American Horror Story, Casa Freak, The Reckoning. <laughs> So I guess that's because the American Horror Story franchise loves to like dig into past movies and mm-hmm. stuff. And so I guess it's Casablanca as a horror movie franchise with yeah. Sarah Paulson playing all the roles. <laughs> uh, Louis DeFana said, a whole series of sequels in which Rick keeps opening new clubs in places that turn out to be occupied by enemies of the Allied powers and keeps getting reluctantly drawn into their resistant movements. I like that. Like anywhere he goes... He ends up in the middle of like Nazi territory, whether he likes it or not. Like, <laughs> Tokyo, no way! <laughs> Hiroshima, come on! <laughs> uh, Joe Herman said, Signor Ferrari, the Sydney Green Street character, attempts to run Rick's Cafe American, but the staff, 
Miss Rick and start to act unruly and belligerent and hijinks ensue. So yeah, I, that, I think that's a good idea. Like in the original film, Rick does sell his bar to the large guy, Senor Ferrari. Ferrari. So yeah. would he maybe not be as good of a barman? Maybe maybe the staff don't like he's him. He's quite an entertaining character for the short amount that he's he in. He is. It. So I probably could watch, you know, well, an hour and 40 of a film of him. Yeah, we forgot to mention, but in the Star Wars prequel, he's got to be Jabba the Hutt, right? Mm. He's definitely Jabba the Hutt. Mm, yeah. So yeah, that could be really fun. And finally, Travis Owen said, Rick teams up with Indiana Jones, Peggy Carter, James Bond, Hellboy, and Diana Prince to save the world from a Soviet plot to awaken Cthulhu. So I guess that's the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen wow. featuring Casablanca. Yeah. Interesting, interesting. Yeah. <clears throat> so thank you everybody for those sequel ideas. We ask you for your listener submissions every week, a few days before we record, by putting posts out on Facebook and Twitter where you can post your ideas. So make sure you like and follow our pages if you don't want to miss out. To listen to more episodes of Beyond the Box set, you can subscribe and browse our back catalogue on any podcasting platform, including Apple, Spotify, Google Play, and many others, in all of which you can also leave us a review if you so wish. You can also support us on Patreon for as much or as little as you think we're worth to access all the bonus features that Harry mentioned earlier, including our regular bonus episodes, uh, promo slots, and much more. You can find all those links in the description below or at beyondtheboxset.com. And so thank you, Martin. Thank you very much for bringing this classic film to our attention. As I was about to say, I subscribe and it worked for me because I'm here. Indeed, indeed. You can can really develop a friendship with us. We we will be your friend if you pay us. (laughs) (laughs) We were friends with you anyway. I'm only joking. Yes. So thank you very much, Martin, for joining us and for making us watch this classic film. I feel like genuinely edified because it's a film I've wanted to watch for a very long time. And uh, there's nothing you want to plug, is there? You don't plug. I I guess your social medias, your MG Loves Fun. Uh, Yeah. I was going to say, you know, like Cats Protection as well. Cats my, protection, my sort yeah. of 30 second ad slot would be if you're thinking of adopting the cat and you're in the UK, find out where your local cats protection is. Uh, I think it's the case that nationwide now you have to book to come and see the cats because we don't want all the visitors turning up at the same time sure. with yeah. COVID regulations. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's my tip. And just, you know, other cat rescues are available. That is a very good socially conscious plug. I'll also say, Martin is very good on Twitter. Also, MG loves fun. He's, I, I, I see you all the time doing your political pundits. You know, you are so like in it with American electoral I, politics. I follow sort of crazy um, American politics, yeah, and I post a lot. You do, you debunk a lot. Of... Yeah, you debunk a lot of the crazy stuff with like the recounts and the yeah all, all the stuff in the states that are like still pretending Donald Trump won. It's like it's really interesting. So. Yeah, it's. I find it interesting, and it's just crazy. It's just the craziness that um, it's, it's like an incredibly slow-moving car crash. It really it is. Yeah, it's been like two stop. years now. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah, no ends for it. So yeah, at, follow him at MG Loves Fun on all all good social media handles, and do do adopt your cats responsibly from cats protection. So it's very good. Don't always remember to spay and neuter your pets, as RuPaul would say. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, and Harry. Yes. Uh, we're finally out of the black and white movie season. I mean, well, we were out of it two weeks ago. But then we decided to bring in Martin and yeah. he, he brought it back. Uh, but the film I'm going to do next... You brought, you brought the average up. Yeah, 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 for sure, yeah. Yeah. So the film I'm going to do next, it's not black and white. It's it's from the 90s, it's good. Okay. But uh, it is heavily inspired by one of the films that we uh, we did. Yep. It's heavily inspired by your favourite film that we did, which oh. is All About Eve. Oh. Don't worry, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. It, right. So 
We're going to do a classic, and I think Martin will enjoy this one too. We're going to do a classic So Bad It's Good mm-hmm. from the 90s, a film I've been wanting to do for a long time. I never quite found an occasion to do it. Mm-hmm. So I figured, screw it, let's just do it. Mm-hmm. Next week, Harry, we are going to do a little film called Showgirls. Oh, oh dear. Yeah. Oh, wow. Oh. Excellent choice, may I say. Do ne- a PK turn. Ne- ne- never heard, never, ne- sorry, never seen it, heard a lot about it. You have seen it, but I don't think you remember it. <laughs> We watched it together like six years ago at my birthday. It was like the last, we did four films in a row and this was like number four. So All right. I don't blame you for not remembering it. But okay. Yeah. It will, I'm sure you remember it this time. Yeah. Right. Cool. So listeners cool. and Martin, join us next week for Showgirls. It's going to be a great time. Yeah. Right. So, Thanks for thank, joining us, Martin. Thank you very much, Martin. Lovely to have you. Thank you, Liz, for listening and see you next week for Showgirls. Bye. Bye. Say goodbye. Bye. <laughs>